0: Off the Bench is a podcast created by ASCLS that will discuss the scientific and not the scientific ideas in laboratory medicine. We are joined by members of ASCLS, fellow scientists, educators, and researchers, along with those interested in the profession. We share ideas and talk nerdy.
1: Hey guys! Before we officially start the show, I wanted to put up a disclaimer. In this podcast, we will be discussing some graphic and potentially triggering things that we see in the laboratory as well as in the hospital. So please, please, please proceed with caution. Welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. My name is Sophia Chandra-Sakhar, one of your hosts. And today I have two different hosts with me since uh, Galena and Justin are both at ledge day. Or a legislative day, so they are unavailable until very late Thursday night. So you know what? We're going to record with some new people today. Actually, one of them's not so new. You heard her way back when we did um, our first recalibration episode on bad lab sciences on TV, where we made fun of General Hospital, um, was it Grey's, Grey's Anatomy and Scrubs because those were awful, awful lab choices. So welcome back to Romy.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to do another episode.
1: And then with us for our first time is actually a non ascls member, Mackenzie, who works with me. I was able to drag her into this because she also has horror stories of her own, I'm sure. I would love to share them. Also, she likes to react to things. She has great reactions.
2: Yes. (laughs) Hello. Nice to be on. So.
1: All right. So the way this episode is going to work, I have a couple of... um, like 10 or so uh, stories that were submitted by users, and I'm going to assign a story to somebody to read. And what's going to happen is we're going to have someone read it. We're going to react and talk about it before we move on to the next one, see if any more stories, it brings up any like, you know, like old memories of, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. And it is for, after all, a Halloween recalibration episode. So, you know, put on your spooky season where, where, listen to this, Uh, while you're trick-or-treating with your kids or something and listen to some wonderful lab horror and funny stories. All right, so who wants to go first, Mackenzie or Romy? I will. All right, Mackenzie. All right, let's see. So here is one, and I am going to call this around, call this one, The Limb. So if you open up the chat, it is there for you to read.
2: (laughs) Oh goody, all right. When I was a student before they built the neuroscience hospital, not to mention the WC buildings, anatomic pathology didn't have a laboratory space in the hospital proper. They were in one of the campus buildings. This meant that after hours, weekends and holidays, all pathology samples were delivered to the core uh, lab processing area.
1: Which sounds about right still.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, One Saturday night, somebody showed up with a clear plastic bag sample, and emesis basin full of ice to leave for pathology. We were trying to figure out where best to store it because melting ice in an open container is just not a good combination. Moved the ice around to see how big the sample was, and it was lo and behold an amputated human foot (laughs) oh wow what the heck (laughs) that's a little casual was it like a doctor that just like I I,
1: from from when I had messaged this person to ask for further details yes it was a it was just a doctor just you know just dropping it off in a bucket and it it was unfortunately a, cl- he said it was supposed to be like, you know, those red biohats. That's usually what people put. It's like, you know, those red bags yeah. you can't see through. No, it was like a clear, like as clear as Ziploc, clear bag.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> so just, you know, human foot. Just
2: a casual foot. Casually, know. casually. So I have to say this
0: does not really face me because um I received more than one foot when I was on my first job. Okay. Um, What? On evening shift, um, my first job was evening shift in the um, STAT lab. And um, any human parts or anything that had to go to pathology were delivered to the front area. So I've seen my share of of human food. I even saw a gigantic scrotum. Oh, a scrotum? Wow. Oh the amputation we're taking taking bets to see what's in the pathology bucket (laughs) (laughs) this is like a a daily thing on my first
1: job wow see i used to work evening shift and we also have drop-offs but they would always keep them relatively covered so we never actually saw what it was i think the only time i've actually seen something was there's like these seven small like formalin containers inside a brown plastic bag that we had to scan in, right? So we had to take all the containers out, and the containers are clear. So we're taking them out, and it's like little skin scraping, skin scraping, skin scrapings. So and the very last one, it said um, portion of left eyelid. I was like, what? And I look. I remember like looking through the bottom, and it was a it was like a chunk of the eyelid with still eyelashes attached, just. Floating in formalin. I was like, that's, I think that's the weirdest thing. Like I've seen a couple of, you know, limbs and feet. I've, I've had to help a doctor go find a missing leg. That was an interesting time. But a floating, a floating eyelash. Floating, floating eyelash is still attached to the eyelid. I think is the weirdest one I've seen. But also scrotum. That's just huge. This oh, that's huge.
0: It was um, someone that had
1: cancer. So
0: obviously they had to remove it. Um, and the tumor was big and inside. So yeah, it was hum- humongous. The, the thing like, and, and you can clearly tell what it was like, there was no, any other thing that it could be. And oh. it's our job to take oh. it, like the pathology area and put it in formalin and store it for them. That's wow.
1: an, that.
2: Yeah. Wow. I have no words, quite honestly, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> so, if
0: this was a contest, I
2: think I'm winning.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. 100%. 100%. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Oh, speaking of scrotums, here is something somewhat related. Romy, this one is for you.
0: Okay. All right. So, the next story says got a bloody urine sample from a male patient once. Went to pour it into a centrifuge tube to spin down for supernatant. Poured it over, and what looked like a dark red worm was floating in the cap. We called in the specialist. I'm not sure I wanna keep <laughs> reading this one. <laughs> it was about three inches long, roughly the diameter of the inner ink inside a big ballpoint pen, okay, and spongy, got a scalpel and cut a section off, smashed it into a slide and cover slipped it. It was a single long strand of clattered blood perpasting the urethra. I don't know what to think, what that felt like coming out. Ooh, that sounds painful. Oh.
1: And it's oh. coming from a guy.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we're used to it because we're women and we bleed every month. So yeah, mm-hmm. but but
2: yeah, uh, I can imagine it's very thin too. That would have to be like somewhere on the scale of like kidney stone, I would imagine. How would Something how like would that. you key
1: that out though? Like if it's cast, if it's cast, it right? would do you block mm-hmm. it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure I'm. Sh- uh, I apologize to the male listeners because I do know at least there are a couple who will probably listen to us and be like, "Huh." And I think I want to say I think Kyle Writing listens to these while he works out, so I apologize to him in advance <laughs> as he's listening to this. Shout out to Kyle. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I start. Sorry to anyone. Talk about
2: painful pee. Pain. <laughs> Oh yeah. That makes me squirm. No, thank right. like you.
1: Okay. So I will read actually. Yeah. I will read this one. This one is coming from a blood banker. So sure. Romy will relate to it. Okay. I was by myself at night in the blood bank. It was a busy night with the bleeders and anemic patients in the ED. I was in pilot mode doing what I was trained to do for the thousandth time prioritizing who gets the blood first, selecting and testing appropriate blood products, etc. I was in the zone when I opened the glass blood bank fridge to put away a cross-matched product. When the door swung shut and the reflection, I saw someone standing in the corner, cross-armed, head down, leaning against the counter. It was definitely a male figure. He was wearing black scrubs. My mind was actively occupied on something else I didn't process, but I had seen for another couple of seconds. When I did, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I'm the only one in here. I turned to look at the corner and there was no one there. I came out of the blood bank to tell another coworker, the hairs in my arms were raised and goosebumps were all there. Before this, I had seen out of the corner of my eyes, lab coats swing as if someone Uh, oh wait oh it didn't didn't cross over all the way okay as if uh wait let me find it as if someone had just entered the blood bank especially if i am focused on reading the tubes a couple of times i've heard disembodied voices whispering my name my voice chalked it up to my imagination the reflection in the fridge door was no reflection i did i did not imagine the figure in the black scrubs maybe a former blood banker was just watching me work making sure i wasn't making a mistake
2: yeah,
0: Ooh. I know which hospital this is, so I know never ever to go work there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Any chance that it was like near where they do the autopsies? I hear those are haunted sometimes.
1: I don't know, but I do know when I was playing Pokemon Go, there were a lot of ghost ghost Pokemon in the hospital I'm not sure if it was just Mm. random and I think Mm. it was slightly in poor taste but there were a lot of ghosties in the hospital yeah yes
2: I uh
0: am I'm I'm glad that my lab is in the sixth floor and not in (laughs) with the autopsy room I'm just saying like, I don't know how people that have their labs in the basement and close to the audit room do, because I do not do ghosts. Nope. Thank you. No. I'll do blood all day, but no ghost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't think our lab is haunted, but it sounds like this one definitely I was. I, th- I think ours actually is.
1: Really? Do you so, have any good stories about that? Well not really. It's really just, it's really just the, um, the paper towel machines. I always like <laughs> any time it spits out a random a paper towel, there is, I, I also, okay, so that's so-and-so, you know, just checking up on us. Cause there's this mm-hmm. one person that everyone's like, oh, you know, they'll be here forever. they like I think that guy used to send like postcards so I think I forget who someone on evenings had made a joke that that was so-and-so checking up on us like you know making sure our paper towels worked. so whenever paper towels randomly spit out and there's like you know no one's staying near it I'm always like that's so-and-so checking up on us because I've never (laughs) seen a random paper towel like disperse a bunch of paper towel or dispense a bunch of paper towels and any other, any of the other labs, like it doesn't, well, it maybe happens, but I've never seen it. It's only ever in the core lab and in the core lab break room. It's not in the other break room at all, ever. So yeah, I've never
2: seen that paper towel dispenser randomly do it. So
1: interesting. Yeah. So I think maybe we're haunted, but
2: okay. Okay. job and the one that I left, um,
0: the water faucet will turn on randomly. It was one of those, like, like the, they can tell, like, your hand, and it would mm-hmm. turn on a touchless, a hands-free, and, like, randomly would turn on. So I don't know. Maybe it was hunted, or maybe <laughs> I don't know what, what was in there. But it would all the time just randomly turn on.
1: Hmm. So, But you said you were on the sixth floor, right?
0: Yep, that was on the sixth floor.
1: What what other departments were around you?
0: Um, the blood bank was kind of isolated. There wasn't much there. I mean, uh, histology was across the, the the way, but everyone else was on the other side of the hallway. So I don't know.
1: Maybe the haunted scrotum was coming back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the other one.
1: <laughs> oh, wrong, wrong, wrong one, wrong one. Darn, 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 darn. Maybe something was coming back to just wash their hands. Maybe we have yeah. the same ghost because like, you know, he'll go over there, wash his hands over there and then come over here for a paper towel. <laughs> you never know.
0: They can travel way better than we can. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I do, I will say uh, that our autopsy room is, um, they actually are on the top floor, like the 11th floor of some building. And they have, I think, the entire floor to themselves, and they have amazing views out their windows, and they have windows, and we're on the first floor with no windows.
2: Yeah, how does the autopsy room have windows and we don't?
1: They're also at the top Ashamed. of a very old building, so it's also a little. This is
2: true. This is a
1: little true. a little creepy. I I think um, I I want to say someone said that the old autopsy refrigerators used to be closer to the core lab, where we are and was a lot creepier back in the day i
2: can imagine back in the day
1: yeah okay. i sure
2: sometimes the lights flicker in our lab so you know i'm convinced there's probably some kind of poltergeist or something
1: oh definitely i mean the amount of stuff that gets moved around or like you know things that walk up or like you know get up walk away or you know someone mysteriously eats something i don't know reagents <laughs> oh, disappear yeah, i remember that story mhm uh Okay, so here is one for Mackenzie. Make sure that everything is good. Okay, so this is not so much in the spooky vein, but it's like a, wait, what? Kind of horror story.
2: All right. Went in one night on midnight shift to teach a lecture. Got there and they had a sample in Heme that had a crazy hemolysis flag on the CBC on the smear clumped platelets spherocytes schistocytes and large red spongy appearing globular masses not inside intact cells spun crit was so hemolyzed that you couldn't tell where the packed cells ended and the plasma started a uh, checked tube for a clot and the blood was chunky red in chunky red clumps like black cottage cheese mm. Uh, no history of clotting disorder or cold agglutinin called the doctor outpatient doctor called the patient to confirm that they weren't dying sleeping just fine at home came in the next morning for a redraw perfectly normal interesting
1: so yeah either magic tube of blood for a cbc became black cottage cheese that's Just gross. The
0: only thing I can think of is maybe it was drawn in the wrong order and got contaminated, and the contamination caused it. Not that yeah, I've ever but
2: yeah, yeah, that's not like normal. They didn't rotate the lavender top tube, like black cottage cheese. That's rough.
1: Just trying <laughs> to like. Can you imagine like if your blood was the consistency of of cottage cheese what that would feel like i feel like one your veins have to be massive right yeah and then also would you feel it i imagine you would because it's like cottage cheesy
2: people can feel blood clots move sometimes right
0: but it was completely normal the next day so it was yeah
2: I think it must have been like a tube something, but that's disgusting.
1: Very, very much so. So here's a funny one. Okay, let me see if I can copy this whole thing. Okay, so I guess I want to copy bit by bit because it won't let me copy everything at once. All right, so here's the first line. Uh, Romy, for you. (laughs) So let me just do... Control C, Control V, Control C. Oh, Control V, Control C, Control V, Control C, Control V. Okay, here's the whole story. All right.
0: So the next person is trying to make it short. Okay.
1: Yeah, says my gross story will be short.
0: All right. So. The person is a solo blood banker on night shift. Had to go. So I transferred the blood bank phone to a portable phone. Code massive transfusion call overhead, Meet Bush. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I Had to squeeze the turtle, wipe, wash my hands and run back to the blood bank this happened again actually i heard that story and i don't know from who so it might be this person but or it was on the radio or something but i i totally heard the story somehow really and to the person it happened twice where did i hear it like i i literally heard the story i wonder if it, it was some kind of blood bank meeting or something
1: Maybe, so, maybe I know you. I yeah. don't
0: know who you are, but maybe I know you, and that's how I heard this story. <laughs> um, but yeah, really bad timing, dude.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Especially for it to happen a second time. Like, mm, that's rough, buddy.
0: It's like, are you calling the ER and just like, letting them know, hey, I'm about <laughs> to get to the bathroom. Call it now.
1: <laughs> i like how they are, even like you know i moved I like transferring the the phone to the portable phone just in case yeah maybe that's the problem is the transferring that's what causes it to have by transferring it that's what happens that's what causes the trans massive transfusion like oh we heard that you're going back to you know you're mid-push so you know what yeah it's time to go back to work
2: you know you think <laughs> The, that would be being responsible, like good karma. You're like covering a little CYA there, but no dice. But
0: is there like most blood banks will have like a backup person? Was there no backup?
1: I think this no. Apparently, this guy said he was a solo blood banker on night shift. Because I so we usually schedule one person
0: to work the blood bank, so there's always like another person that qualifies for blood bank that on a different night will be a blood banker and will cover if the person in blood bank has to for example go to the bathroom
1: (laughs) maybe that's what they should do at least to give him some peace and quiet to let him finish his number two yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) that that's not a good thing to hold no no with pee, at least you can, like, kind of jump. <laughs> yeah, you can you
1: can at least, like, you know, jump in and jump out real quick. It's at least a lot faster versus, like, because you have to clean afterwards. You know, you yeah. have to make sure nothing's left behind.
0: And <laughs> washing your hands. Now it is more important than ever. We
1: yes. Are, yes. I was going to say, we are totally professional. We're not laughing at poop jokes. No, this is a professional podcast. Never. Never. <laughs> All right. So this one I didn't have a chance to write up because this is a story that I know that was told to me like multiple times from this one person. It's one of my favorite stories. And it also involves poop. So <laughs> um apparently years and years and years ago, there was this one person in processing, in specimen processing, who did not like to do stool samples like whenever she got one she would go get someone else to process it for her anytime she had to open it oh sorry anytime she had to open it she would find someone else to process it for her so this was i mean this this dates the story this is back when we could eat in the lab right um so someone else on the other side of the lab knew that she was working processing that night so what they do they knew they had a coworker who was eating avocado They asked for the avocado pit and some avocado, and then they mushed the avocado around the avocado pit, put it inside a sterile urine container, labeled it with a fake specimen ID, tubed it and bagged it and everything, and tubed it to her in processing, because they knew that she would have to deal with it. So they tubed it to her. She gets it. And she calls for the guy to come process it because she's not going to process it so he goes over there and he's like she's like what's going on she's like oh i have the stool sample can you do it for me i'll do this for you etc he's like okay and he picks it up and he looks at it because he knows it's the one that he just sent right he picks it up and he looks at it and then he opens it and picks up the pit and licks it in front of her face <laughs> And he's like oh mm, it's pretty nice i think this is a good process apparently her face was <laughs> i think
2: i would have screamed probably most likely throw up <laughs> <laughs> i can yeah. i can always see
0: especially without knowing yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. yep that I... was that was the guy's revenge for uh all the times that she sends uh she gets him to help him with the sample <laughs> oh no in her defense though
0: i turned down a microbiology job because i did not want to deal
2: with food that is fair that is totally fair
1: yeah i have seen stool samples come in like in tupperware containers where they're so full that they won't snap all the way and someone had to go and process that and i remember i was this was like during my student rotations i was like like oh do you want to sit with the person processing it and I asked them if I had a choice to like stand far away and they said well technically you really should be with your person but in this one case yeah you can stand on the other side of the room and watch from a distance
0: yeah during my rotations they made me stay um, because stools were processed by the evening shift so they made me stay a little late to see how it's processed and the girl that was showing me, she's like, Do you want to do one? Do you want to see it? And I'm like, No, I'm, I'm really go- okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Okay. Yep. No, nope. see you later.
1: Yeah. If you're giving me the choice, no, thank you. And as you can tell, none of us work in microbiology because we're all grossed out by poop. So, yeah, it's no for me. me.
0: It's like most body fluids. <laughs>
1: them open those really disgusting peas like come on I I have had a pee one time where I had to like take the lid in the cup and like do a slicing motion to try to get the the pee to stop flowing because there's just so much mucus I had to slice the pee in half to get it to stop like oh no like I remember like just trying to pipette it it was just like Like you would like go and pipette it, but like you'd watch like the pipette head and it was like slowly reinflating, just very slowly because it's just how thick it was. It just wouldn't go. It was just like clumpy. So it was like the, the, your analysis lead tech was like, you're not putting that on the iris. If you do, I will kill you. I Said okay, that's fair, I'll spin it down. So I was trying to pour it off into like you know, the conical tube with the with the bump at the end that looks like a nipple, the nipple bump at the end, right? So I was trying to pour it into there and it wouldn't, it kept going. So I had to pour some back, but they like nothing spilled over because it was all contained in the mucus, and I had to cut it. And that was an that was an interesting experience because there was a student with me that day. Well,
0: it's very similar to what would happen to. Um, type and screen tube when the patient has um, called auto antibodies Mm -hmm. Uh, those really really strong ones that the blood just congeals it's disgusting Mm -hmm. it's just like we would get the tube spin it down and it's just a blob and nothing will go in the pipette like you had to pre-warm the heck out of all of those, like hours of pre-warming to kind of get it to look normal-ish,
2: mm-hmm. like somewhat uh, workable. Uh, There's something about like that slimy mucusy texture that just is a no for me.
1: <laughs> what you're saying, you don't want to, you know, play with slime and try to streak it across a plate and stuff you know watch that slime trail follow you
2: <laughs> just
1: another I think thing. i'm good
2: microbiology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah kudos yeah. to all those microbiologists out there because thank you you yes. are great
0: and you are my hero for dealing with all the COVID 19 specimens i do not envy your work
2: but I definitely did not want to be you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amen. Yes. Yes. Huge shout out to them for dealing with the poop that no one wants to deal with. Yes. So here is a sad one. So I'm, I'm putting this sad one in now. That way we can finish off on uh, funnier ones. Mackenzie, if you would like to take that one. Yes, I will.
2: Okay. Uh, We have an active L&D department, so we cater to a wide population of um, of obstetrics patients. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes these patients crash or they bleed out during childbirth, whether natural or surgical. Uh, There was a massive transfusion on an expectant mother. I handled the case as best as I could, and I was somewhat invested in the outcome. Unfortunately, the call came back to the blood bank to discontinue the co-transfusion. It was not a good outcome. I didn't have time to process my emotion because work had to go on. As the night shift lead, one of my responsibilities was to admit deceased bodies to, into the morgue. I knew it was going to happen, but I wasn't prepa- I wasn't prepared myself to admit this obstetric patient who died during childbirth. Still, I compartmentalized the sadness and tried to remain neutral to finish the shift. A couple of hours later, I was called because there was another body that needed to be admitted. Oh, it was the newborn with the same last name as the previous body. My stomach dropped and I felt shocked. I had assumed the baby was going to be okay. Disease and death are all parts of life and I've come to accept it, but it was still hard to process and rationalize the experience. All we can really do is hold on to our loved ones as much as we can because all of it could disappear in literally one night. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really sad. And it speaks to like, we do get invested in these patients that like we see day in and day out, right? And we want them to do well, even if we are kind of like that, like background not directly caring for them, kind of thing. So, yeah,
0: yeah. especially those that come all the time, like you know their names, even if you don't yeah. exactly have their faces. Um, but, like, a similar thing happened to one of my ex coworkers, workers, um, or a co worker in one of my previous places. Um, we had, I previously worked in downtown Detroit, so you can imagine things that happen over there. It's still not the safest, even though it's getting better. But um, there was a drive-by shooting of a pregnant woman. She was seven or eight months pregnant, I believe. So they brought her to the ER. And um, they were trying to save either her or the baby, or hopefully both. But it was too many shots. And they were all to the abdomen. Like, she was Mm. shot mostly in the abdomen. Um, So, obviously, they called for massive transfusion, and we did all that, and um, they called us a while later to say that, unfortunately, they didn't make it. Um, Well, she didn't make it. They didn't indicate if the baby did or not. Um, So, they used the blood we had in the little fridge in the ER, in the trauma room. So, one of my coworkers said, I'll go to replace the, the blood so they have for the next case. And she came back to the lab sobbing, like she was a mess. Now, she was pregnant at the time with her first child. And when she got to the trauma room, once she calmed down, she told us the story. She got to the trauma room to put the blood in the fridge. And there was a little, um, little baby wrapped in a blanket on a table. They didn't like take her out of there to the morgue yet. So the baby oh. was scared. Oh my gosh. Even though the mom was already taken to the morgue, so she saw that. And, and with her being pregnant, all those emotions and, and hormones and everything, it's just she was devastated.
1: That's awful.
0: That oh, is awful.
2: I can't even imagine.
0: And the body wasn't even fully covered, so she's she saw- actually like the baby and at seven, eight months is fully formed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that I was debating on whether or not to add this one, but it was it, it's like Mackenzie said, like, you know, we are we are invested in the patients even if we aren't there in person. And this was, I mean, you can tell this person was very invested and cared so much that I i was like, I, I want to include this. This is a good story. It's heartbreaking. Because, yeah, we we see the goods and the bads and, oh. So shall we do a, a funny one after that? Heartbreaking one?
2: I think we need yeah, it. I think
1: we need it, yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: let's finish yeah. it off on a higher note. All right. Let's <laughs> funny one.
1: Okay, Romy, this one is for you.
2: All right.
0: So, I was working in the blood bank one afternoon when I first started in the lab, and the floor requested a washed unit. I felt confident and knew how to set up the unit on the cell washer. Granted, back in the day, the cell washer was behind a security clearance door but you could not see if you needed to walk away. I heard the phone and left the area while the unit washed. I walked back in when I heard the cycle complete to a complete bloodbath. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Crime scene. The entire <laughs> unit was all over the place. My heat sealer only sealed partially on the unused lines. I started trying to clean immediately. It's drying up on some parts of the floor, and we were we are slammed at the issue window at the same time. I also needed to get a new unit cross match because this was an antibody patient. It made for a long bloody ship. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for this person as someone who witnessed a person drop a, blood, a, a bag of blood and it just splashes everywhere.
2: Oh like, no. my oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's everywhere. So you're in the middle of a crime scene. That's what it, mm-hmm. it resembles. Like mm-hmm. after the last and all that, And having to clean that, oh,
2: blood is the worst for cleanup. It really is. It spreads and never like quite. Like days later in places where like, how the hell it didn't even reach? (laughs) It should not even have been there.
1: I feel like the one of the places in the lab you can't look under is underneath the blood gas table because like where we have our blood gas analyzers lined up, it's like, almost kind of in a u-shape and we have safety shields everywhere but some people just also out of extra safety will mix this or below the table just as an extra like you know so it doesn't splash on them either and they'll mix it below the table but sometimes those caps aren't on all the way and they'll go flying as well the blood suddenly and you look down and that underneath that table is disgusting i have taken so many sandy wipes to that thing it's ridiculous it is just blood splatters everywhere who knows who knows how old, like how I old, know old.
2: those are? Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. and I feel like, like whenever they come in and wax the floors, I've seen them like try to clean the floors too, but I have also seen them like wax over some areas that they can't clean, and that's really annoying because you're like, there's such that one drop. It's like three waxes down, and that one <laughs> hair that's right there that you can't clean every time because it's right. It's three waxes protected. <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah, I feel like if you can't clean it, just wax it. Yeah. <laughs> Layer it in. It's just... it's like a certain aesthetic, you know, lab vibe.
1: <laughs> Hashtag lab vibes.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going
0: back to these for a second. I don't know if you would ever try to wash a unit of blood again
1: after that.
2: Yeah, no, I'd be like, someone else do it. It's
1: yeah, 100%. percent <laughs>
0: Just get it washed. Like my previous place uh, we don't do the washing, so they we would just ask for the blood supplier to send the unit washed. I'm like, oh like that that's a lot saver. It comes in like this really cute donut.
1: <laughs> a donut? Wait, what do you mean it comes <laughs> oh, in a donut?
0: donut? Yeah, it comes in the shape of a donut.
1: Like like the like the whole
0: unit comes in a donut shape? Yeah. Oh. Like
2: the, the bag that they use for the washing, it's
1: like mm-hmm. cute little donut. Little I don't... washed, washed <laughs> cells. All right. So, this last one here, this one is from a chemistry specialist. I think Mackenzie might have been here the first time she was telling us this story. Yeah, so, I. I this story. So, this, because Remy, you haven't heard this story, I'm just going to read it from my document for you okay so this is called i'm going to call it the chiseler okay okay some world building here years ago the lee tech office used to be a walk-in fridge with the shelves lining three out of the four walls and the back wall and shelves also had a door that led to the walk-in freezer the walls shelves and floor were all metal so it was pretty cold back of the day 24 to 74 hour sorry 72-hour stool containers used to be collected in these massive jars that look like cheese puff jars that you can find in grocery stores today. The policy was that the collection had to be screwed on tightly and double-bagged with each bag tied off before it went into the walk-in fridge and sat on the shelf before it was sent off to wherever it needed to go, because it was a mail-out test. There was this one time that a sample came in that was mostly screwed on with the bags kind of tied. So, you know, there's your first problem. Mostly screwed on, kind of tied. Um, add to this, the sample was also very full and apparently produced enough gas and sat in the fridge long enough that produced enough gas that the lid popped off, went out of the bags and sprayed poop everywhere. Ooh. And let's see, what right, I write? Okay, uh, and she, it was everywhere. It was on reagent boxes, sample bags, etc. And the worst part was that the shelf that it was on was actually along that back wall next to the freezer door. So remember, this is a completely metal box. So poop had also exploded onto the metal surfaces all over the walk-in freezer, but because it was against the freezer wall, it froze the poop. So you could wipe the poop off the reagent boxes and the bags, but she had to take a screwdriver and a hammer and chiseled the poop off of the walls and the doors and the shelves and that's how she became known as the sh- chiseler and i will bleep that word out
2: uh a nickname that stuck along poop around for a while
1: yeah she said she said it stuck around for a while that she the person would be like hey chiseler you know <laughs>
0: I think also smelly that's what i want to know
1: yes apparently it smelled bad enough that that's that's how it that's how it created so much gas was apparently whatever the person ate during that time produced gas and fumes it was not a young child it was like she's like it was full this was like a giant pickle jar that was full of poop and was bulging okay. it seemed like and would just like exploded because there's just so much gas built up that it just popped into the freezer <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, I would have thrown up. (laughs) That's my, like, answer to anything poop-related.
2: I think that's valid.
1: Yeah, I feel like she said, like, the part of the reason why I live in the fridge was also because of the smell, because it would take a while before they sent it out, and they didn't want it to smell, I feel like. But I do know, like, right now, when we do, like, the 40, like, the random or, like, the stool fat collections, we would put them... I think we put them in the freezer for now. So yeah,
2: we put them in yeah. the freezer, trying to dampen things <laughs> as much as possible.
1: And I do know those containers actually have a line saying that they you cannot fill it up beyond a certain line. And I want to say that line's at least two inches below the container. And I bet it's because of buildup and pressure from gases and such from your poop. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> Granted, we did have a 72-hour collection for for a stool that took over 10 containers because we ran out of containers for them.
2: I do remember that one. And the these nurses kept coming down for them and we ran out at a certain point. Yeah,
1: like and these containers are at least like what, like 10 inches in diameter and at least yeah. five to six inches tall of space. So there's there's room in there. But this was, I think, a seventy-two-hour collection, and she came in for ten of these, and she still needed more. And we had no more to give her. They—it was a weekend referral; had wasn't there. They had had a call and I asked them, like, what to do, and they said, you know, it is a random or up to a time, so we can say that you know it's up to this time and send it off as is. And wow, we ran out of containers—an accomplishment, really.
0: Find in 72 hours for poop
1: stool <laughs> fats all the stool fats
0: yeah no I'll pass
1: <laughs> actually so like speaking of poop um just to bring just to bring things full circle back to poop I I remember I had posted a comic about like the worst containers people ever got for um stool and like some of them were like i i think i posted on there i drew a picture of like a cinnamon bun a bun bag the tupperware that i saw at had a friend who worked in micro and she said the worst one she ever got was they put it in a ready whip container like for the icing it was a chocolate icing container they put the poop in that and she's like <laughs> please don't but that's what they got and i think a couple of the other ones that i saw that were absolutely ridiculous one of them was um uh, like you know the spray can the hairspray how they have like that that thick plastic cap that goes on top of your hairspray or if not hairspray uh, like you know um olive oil spray any sort of spray like that kind of like a thick plastic container right apparently someone had filled up that con- that cap and just um put uh saran wrap on it and a rubber band and brought it in that way that's how they got pooped one time and she said the worst container she's ever had I remember was a it was a dry turd, so it's not liquid turd, it was a dry turd in a strawberry container, like with the holes and everything.
2: Well ventilated. (laughs) You wouldn't deny people the aroma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: boy. Perfume. She said the worst part was not even the container. It was a doctor's sample who brought it that way.
2: You would think he would know better. <laughs> Do they know? <laughs> yeah, that's questionable at best.
0: Let's let's uh
2: think about that. <laughs> they wanna think they know,
1: but we would hope they know. Yes would hope they know. So out of all of those stories, do you guys have any other of your own horror stories of the lab that you can think of? Mm. I know I know. for me, like my first night ever working in a lab, like as a student employee, this was literally the first time I walked into the lab. I was sort of like wearing like, you know, my nicer clothes and stuff and I was working night shift. So I was put up in process to assist with the 4 a.m. rush as, you know, as a new one does right assist with the 4am rush and the tug that was coming to pick up the pathology samples from overnight had arrived so we had to put the samples on there so we would put like I think they handed me two 24-hour urine jugs and be like here take these jugs I was like okay great these are jugs good to know and then the girl says to the guy you can grab the leg because I'm not grabbing that and I was like a leg like is that just some other terminology like because these are jugs of containers like is it like is, is that something i just don't know yet right and the guy's like fine fine so he picks up this bag and i remember it was like a white bag a double bag white bag and he just walks in front of me to take to show me where to go to this tug and i remember against the back of the bag you just see the foot pressed against the back of the bag and i was my first thought was that's a leg that's not another word it's a leg <laughs> like it's a leg in there <laughs> and He had to bend it to get it into the tug because it's like, you know, one of those lockers on the robot. And he was like, I have to bend the knee. And he was not very happy looking that he had to bend the knee to get the leg in the tug. And then we had to make room to make, put my two 24-hour urine jugs in there. But yes, that that was my horse. That was my first, first night on the job
2: that's that's a warm welcome i feel at least it was not the screw yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it could always be worse (laughs) could always be a worse body part Uh, i'm trying to think i don't really have any like horror stories with specimens unfortunately
1: i was gonna say i would have thought that your horror story would actually be one that we both experienced recently we had a six hour unexpected uh, epic downtime oh
2: that in the is the middle a, of the that's day a horror story in and of itself that's true yeah yes that was a fun cleanup shall we say
1: It took the next day to clean up it took us over mm-hmm. 24 hours to clean up like to recover it started off with, what, uh, internet going out at 10.
2: Yeah, and then like 10, at, 10.30. Everybody's like, ah, oh, go take a
1: break. Yeah, like no. we'll come back. And These be things
2: up. come back.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then by 11, 11, 11.30, we're like, okay, well, let's start doing, let's, you know, we've been running stats at this point. Let's start, you know, let's start doing our downtime procedures just in case, because we don't know what's happening. I think that's when we discovered that the LIS knew nothing, like, because the internet was down, our instruments didn't know what to do with the chemistry samples. So we had to sit there at the italicas and manually program every single one and type out like the the sample ID and the patient name as well as like every single test, which was annoying because those touchscreens are really aggravating. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then what they get, they get the phones back and the internet back to say Mm -hmm. that they got the emails back, which is great, but then still no Epic still no epic I think it was 4 4 p.m right
2: yeah it was like 3 45 4 p.m which is right at shift end so I think a lot of people stayed late that day yeah
1: we stayed till to try to we stayed till 8 p.m because we wanted yeah. to be nice but we were, we were also dying
2: we had to manually result or enter everything
1: which yes was also
2: a different kind of nightmare
1: that was yes we had a manually result manually enter all of the chemistry samples that we ran during the downtime which on average on a normal day if everything's working we ran about what a thousand or so chemistry samples a thousand or more oh at least yeah yeah chemistry samples and that was the yeah. only one that oh sorry Chemistry and blood gas, I know both of those did not mainly cross over, so all of those had to be mainly entered at -hmm. the time. And that's when we discovered also that, um, what, we didn't know half the floor's fax numbers were critical. Yeah, Yep.
2: and we had no phones, so we couldn't call them and ask them their fax numbers, so... You know, it all kind of snowballed. It 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 was a good exercise in knowing what we need to do for future downtimes. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, I did hear that blood bank was actually down until like 9 10 p.m. that night because they were really system, yeah.
2: Yes, they are. Is it like safe tracks or something like that?
1: I think it's like safe tracks, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, We
0: have it we had a similar thing at my previous job. Um, the whole like it wasn't just my hospital it was the whole system
2: went down. Uh-huh. oh my goodness
0: the whole system and they are talking about five hospitals oh. like their their LAS services are in a different different facility they have their own building yeah mm-hmm. that's how it is and the whole thing went down no phone no internet nothing and at the time my whole job was computer related so I, I could do nothing
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it it you're talking about 200 plus specimens a day and a lot of transfusions and everything and everything had to be manually written down and recorded it mm-hmm. was a night and it was over 24 hours I think
1: oh oh took- that's awful that's a nightmare I mean-
0: like procedures for downtime and everything and the sample still could be run on the instrument Mm -hmm. but nothing communicated there was no internet nothing it was a nightmare
2: yeah kicking it old school
0: (laughs) (laughs) it could have been worse where the instruments are down which did happen once both instruments so the blood thing had Two big instruments, two um EMU core neos, mm-hmm. and both of them went down. So oh, there's a good
2: time. to backup,
0: like one is a backup, the other one mm-hmm. that went down. So everything had to be done manually. Every single test, all night long, manually. Ugh, ugh. And see, that was not my night to work. So, <laughs> scared, but my coworkers did. So you're like running like how many samples you can fit in one um centrifuge head? That's mm-hmm. how many you're running at a time. Mm-hmm.
2: There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Six, six, eight at a time, something like that. It's a good time.
1: <laughs> I feel like two
2: cells, screen cells. So that's
0: like the the most important part of it. Because uh-huh. you want to get so. Yeah, so like you have 12, so six at a time. Mm-hmm.
1: How many phone calls did you get? That's my next question with that.
0: <laughs> I would imagine a lot, but then you have like the doctors and nurses asking you, well, this sample needs to be stat. And you tell them, well, that instrument takes about 45 minutes to an hour. And it's like, well, can you just press the button? I'm like, oh, which button are you talking about? <laughs> the button. I'm like. Sure. Let's, let, let's make it up. Let, let me press it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and then- it take you 45 minutes to
2: an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's like
1: yep. every time they Talks call, about right. Like, right. Like every time they call about a chemistry sample, they're like, well, can you make it go faster? No, I cannot make that enzymatic reaction go any faster than it already does.
2: Can I tell the analyzer to like read the light a little bit quicker for you? I apologize.
0: (laughs) I mean, they do want accurate results, right?
1: Yeah. Or do they? I don't know, sometimes. Oh, that's true. Sometimes (laughs) you're like, well, I just want it faster. Yes. So to wrap up today's segment, um, out of all the stories that we've heard, which ones were your favorite?
2: Well, the
0: woman that had to put the bodies in the morgue was definitely the saddest.
1: Yes. 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 I
0: did not envy any of that. No. And the poop related ones are definitely the grossest. <laughs> Both Agreed. stories. Definitely the grossest and no thank you. Uh But I know they were all good stories. I think like people think our job is drawing blood and it's so much more than that. We we do so much more than, and yes, some of us do draw blood. Some of us have dedicated phlebotomists to do it, but we're so misunderstood on what we do. And this goes to show that we will live life. And we mm-hmm. do the work, and we help your doctors reach their um, diagnosis, and we are here, and, and we matter.
1: Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Mackenzie, what was your favorite story? Um,
2: I think mine was the old school poop story about the uh, solo blood banker.
1: That's just rough. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, having to cut it off and, you know, yeah, back
2: to but yeah. get back to work. You know, we're dedicated to our jobs here. <laughs> no matter how much nature calls.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think my favorite is the potential haunted blood bank. Mm -hmm. that's
2: that was creepy
1: that's like the perfect creepy pasta kind of spooky perfect for Halloween but my favorite thing overall that was not from one of these stories is the um scrotum because
2: yes that's agreed (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know.
0: sometimes I can come up with these. um remember these stories (laughs) um and now I'm talking like I've been in the field forever which I haven't, but it feels some. Sometimes it feels that way. Um, but yeah, like th- this card was different. Definitely something I will forever remember. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I feel bad for this patient because having to have that attached mm. to your body. Yeah. That might have might have been like very mm-hmm. painful. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Yeah. That's that's what I like to imagine. Anytime we get like those liters of pericardial fluid, I can't help but wonder: Do you feel a lot better now? I hope so. Cause that's yeah. the relief. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, well, thank you to thank you guys so much. Thank you too for hopping on and telling some spooky stories and reminiscing and other. I think these are more horrifying stories than spooky stories. Let's be honest. But I mean, it's Halloween. It's we're in that spooky season vibe, that horrifying vibe. What well, kind of horror is probably more our horror than like, you know, the general public's horror, but that's fine too. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation, uh, feel free to chat us up on the ASCLS Facebook page. Uh, I have a Twitter at warbler underscore works. Romy, do you have a Twitter?
2: I do, but I okay, rarely so go never there, mind. so.
1: Mackenzie, do you have a Twitter?
2: yes but same I don't use it (laughs) okay so never
1: mind so if you have if you want to join in or like you know talk more about horror stories and other kinds of you know great lab stories feel free to hit me up on Twitter join uh talk us up on Facebook and also send uh Justin some stuff over at Flying Lab Rat on Twitter Galena still doesn't have a Twitter so we're still working on that to try to get her one eventually one day it's been a running thing Mackenzie on every single this podcast like all right so Galena you're gonna get one right well yeah, maybe. So I think it's like once we've reached a certain amount of listeners, we're gonna make her have a Twitter. So hopefully we'll reach it with, you know, our horror stories today. But yeah, so thanks for tuning in and thanks for joining us. And we hope to hear for you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.